It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. It is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. It is a Thursday, and Tanitra, we are officially two weeks away from the NFL draft. So we're going to talk about the importance of it for the Atlanta Falcons with Terry Fondo. Uh, we're going to do a, a deep old dive into what happened last night with the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young and the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to you. I don't know about you, but I am excited about that. And lastly, and for the culture, we're talking about star-studded state form. <laughs> Dave, Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw. All right. And I got to do a little special tribute before we get out of here on a good old yeah. Thursday. But before we get there, I definitely want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the viewers for checking us out on YouTube. Our subscribes or our subs, as they as the YouTubers call them, are rolling right along, T. And uh, we just want to ask that you continue to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Locked On Sports Atlanta. We got a big old lineup. We got ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and, and Tanitra. We yes. have A to Z with Mark Zeno. Mm-hmm. And we have Hidden Hard with John Trevor. You already yes. know what he's about to bring, but T. Like as I as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. draft is two weeks away, and and I think that this is one of those drafts that I believe that is very important for Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. and how he's going to be viewed as a general manager of this team because mm-hmm. we know how Thomas Dimitrov was viewed before he, he uh, got kicked yeah. up out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think this is <laughs> this is one of those drafts where I believe that Fano has to he has to get it done. I believe yeah. he has to get it done. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. And I think fair or unfair, the situation that went down a couple of weeks ago with Deshaun Watson and the imminent departure of Matt Ryan, I think that ratcheted things up for Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith by at least a year. I think they would have had a little bit more cushion and maybe gotten a bit more grace for this Mm -hmm. draft, if not for that situation. But that situation alone puts so much heat, so much pressure, so much attention on the two of them that I agree with you. This may be one of the most important drafts for the Falcons, maybe in over a decade. Yeah, I, and I think, and to be specific, like what I would say, they I would say this, you know, because I did a little research, you know, how I get down, <laughs> and I went to the last fourteen years, right? Mm-hmm. In the last fourteen years, there are two drafts that really just stand out, right? Mm-hmm. There are two drafts that I believe that changed this organization's trajectory, right? You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the two thousand eight draft, that's when okay. Matt Ryan was drafted. Yeah. They had six starters in their draft, guys that started games for them, six of them. So mm-hmm. we're talking about Matt Ryan, Sam Baker, Curtis Lawson, Harris Douglas, Thomas DeCou, and Corey Beardman. I know you feel a certain way about Corey Be- Not you, but I know Falcons fans feel a certain way about Corey Beardman. But, hey, uh-huh. he played in over 100 games for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So, hey, yes, yes. Hey, that was a very, 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 very good pick as far as from a value standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So. And and I think that and when you go to the 2016 draft, mm-hmm. that you had five starters in that one. 
Wes yeah. Schweitzer, Devonjay Campbell, Austin Hooper, Deion Jones, and Keanu Neal. Mm-hmm. And went on to go to the, to the Super Bowl. And of course, in that 08 draft, you drafted franchise quarterback and and you you went on to, you know, establish yourself mm-hmm. at, 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 in their regime. You know, you made your staple for this franchise. Right, so Richard, right. Always be credited for drafting Matt Ryan, drafting the Falk mm-hmm. to play for the next 14 years and eventually win the MVP and go on to play in a Super Bowl that they should have won. Yeah. Uh, so I think, T, there's a lot of things in there. But mm-hmm. I, I think Terry Fono, I know, like you said, it's a lot of pressure, but he has to have one of these types of drafts for yeah. the Falcons. Yeah, you have just too much on the line. And, you know, I was thinking as well, uh, although this is a, a one-person draft, but that 2011 Julio Jones alone was worth yeah. your entire draft. Right, draft. exactly. Stage, it was only like one person, so I was just like, oh. Yeah, but that saved the draft class. That's probably what saved the draft class in 2011. But other than him, I agree with you. Those are two really critical draft classes. And when you have nine picks, you have to do something with them. And here's the thing. We, whether it's fans, the media, or pundits, have focused on what will the Falcons do at eight. What will they do at eight? Will they trade up? Will they trade back? Will they stay stand pat? And who will they get at number eight? But I am also interested in what happens in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds because my mind goes to last year, for example. So you get Richie Grant in the second round and you're thinking to yourself, okay, he'll be able to hit the ground running. Well, Took him about half a season, if not three quarters of a season. And I wouldn't say he's hit the ground running. I'd say he's maybe hit the ground crawling, maybe walking, yeah. right? So yeah. you also want to get that second round draft pick right, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I'll take it down a notch and say, get it right in the later rounds as well, because you look at, and I'm going to go with what Terry Fontenot did, but okay, we'll give Thomas Dimitrov a little bit of credit for this one as well. When you look at an Ade Ogundeji or you look at a Foye Aluakan, mm-hmm. we want to see you get that right in those later rounds as well, that diamond in the rough. Grady Jarrett, another one. Right. A diamond in the rough. So for me, Jarvis, it's not just about what they do at eight. I really, really want to see what they do across the entire, for all of the picks that they actually keep or if they bundle picks together to move up or what have you. I just, I want to see what the holistic, because you just said it. It's the whole picture of what is essentially laying the foundation for what everybody thinks will be the big year next year. But I do believe if you lay the right right foundation this year, two things. Number one, that will at least, I'll say it nicely, appease the fan base uh, and give them encouragement and excitement about what you may be able to do when the big one comes next year. And then there's more confidence in what you do in 2023 and and if you get it right, you get some jewels in the rough, some diamonds in the rough. Next year doesn't have as much pressure on it because you've right. hit on some this year. So that's what I'm looking for. And uh, one more thing, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head as well when we talked earlier about the fact that we're not just looking at it from a positional perspective. either. We're not just saying, okay, he has to go in this direction or that direction. We'll talk about that in the coming days. We'll break it yes. down draft pick by pick. But for today, we're not looking at who he picks at eight. We're more looking at what the overall package will be to speak on what their vision is as an organization for going forward. 
that 30,000 foot view matters yeah. right yeah. now. It, yeah. it, it really matters because like, okay, where this organization headed? And I think that's a question that everybody will be asking two weeks from now. And I yeah. say roughly about four hours and uh, two weeks and probably about four hours or so mm -hmm. yeah. uh, from now. So I, I think we, we'll all be looking forward to it. And like you said, we, we will be counting down and giving the outcomes and opinions yes. on where the Falcons should go, how they should move, mm -hmm. and who they should draft. All right. Indeed. The Atlanta Braves, see, they lost 3-1 um, to one to the Washington Nationals, <laughs> end up losing the series. They are now 3-4 and four on the season. Oh, my God. The world is coming to an end, right? Oh, my God. The sky is falling. The Braves are under 500. Oh, Got wait a minute. They started the year off the same way last year. In fact, it was a mm. little bit worse because it was 0-4. Oh, wait right. a minute. They went all the way on the other side of the All-Star break going up and down. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Trying to get to 500, but the <laughs> math wasn't mathing. It wasn't mathing at no, all. At all for them. So, no, Braves country, the sky is not falling. Now, you do have the right to be concerned. You do. Because... Yeah. You look at two teams in the Nats and the Reds that allegedly weren't that good. And then you look at moments where, for example, game two of this series, 16 to four. So you know it's there. You know the offensive firepower is there. But why can't you at this point manufacture it on a nightly basis? Just a little bit concerned. And now you're going to the West Coast to take on the Padres, and of course, the formidable Dodgers. So we'll really kind of see what you're, what you're really working with. But you know what, Jarvis? That might not be a bad thing. Maybe all the pomp and circumstance of World Series champion celebration week could have been a little bit of a distraction. So you reset in San Diego, and, and let's see if maybe we can shake off whatever is going on with them. The celebration hungover. I think. I think you. I think you're on something with that. You know, when you think about all of the events they had to go through, yeah. the walk downs oh, and the walkthroughs and the yes. train giveaways and all of this and all of that. <laughs> right. So I, I think right now, you know, just kind of looking at some of the what some of what the guys were saying in the locker room, just like, hey man, now we get to play baseball. Yes. And now it's back to boring. Instead, uh, essentially, if I can use a quote from Brian Snicker, back to boring, playing baseball, trying to win games. So I'm with them. Uh, I, I think that they will, you know. Get back on track. I'm not too concerned, but like I said, they will be taking on the San Diego Padres. Yes. Uh, starting tonight. Yeah. 18. 18's first pitch, and Charlie Morton will be on the mound. So yes. that has to be encouraging. I oh, know I yeah. am, you know, because he looked amazing in his last start. So I'm, I'm all for that. Now, and lastly, T, before we get out of here, I think that there is the NBA might be on to something when it comes mm -hmm. to playing tournaments, right? Because I think that there is, is some excitement. Yes. There's all right, because I think because especially specifically in the East, because the teams mm -hmm. are so kind of like uh, uh, similar, you know, yeah. when it comes to the, the, the caliber, the level of talent on each team. I think the, t the talent in the East is kind of spread out. Mm -hmm. So that kind of calls for teams not being too far from each other from yeah. a talent standpoint or mm -hmm. how it's good they really are. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that I think these NBA um, play in tournaments are. Games are just been they've been doing really well, and I, I think Adam Silver is pleased at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and agreed. And it gives an opportunity for a team like the Hawks, 
no different than, you know, maybe the Suns a couple years ago in the bubble to show like we can come on strong. We may have stumbled out of the gates, but we can come on strong and maybe make some noise in the playoffs should the Hawks win tomorrow night. But also even in the Western Conference, everybody assumed that the Clippers were going to win and the Wolves did. And, And it was, but it was an exciting game. And then many people wondered, oh my God, who wants to watch, you know, the sleep fest called the Pels versus Spurs. It was a very compelling game. That was a very, very good game. And to see even the Pelicans do what they did minus Zion. I mean, you know, you knew he wasn't playing, but minus him, that was pretty darn special. And even with the Spurs thinking about them looking like they had mortgaged the house a couple of months ago when they let go of Derek White and they um, shipped off some other key players. And here they were, they found themselves in the play play in round. So yeah, I was not a fan of it from the beginning. I was like, Oh God, this is just going to drag on like the first four of the NCAA tournament. No, this has been pretty compelling. And Hey, look, selfishly if it extends the nba season for us we'll take it no doubt about it and we know the atlanta hawks were compelling last night as they get the win we will talk about it we will take a deep old dive in the next segment don't go anywhere it's atl day ones with jarvis and tanitra i'm about to knock my microphone off what's going on with that <laughs> we want to hear from you next next segment so Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I'm Tanitra Batiste. This is my boy Jarvis Davis, and we appreciate you guys coming back to join us as we deep dive into our conversation about the Hawks. We also appreciate you guys following us and subscribing and liking us on YouTube at our Locked On Sports Atlanta channel. So that's for our show, ATL Day Ones. That's for Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. That is for Mark Zeno's A to Z show, and even a Braves postcast with Grant McCauley, the guru for the Braves. Mm-hmm. So excited about what we are able to bring you guys here on the Atlanta sports scene. And again, appreciate you rocking with us on YouTube and also being able to listen on any audio platform. So Jarvis, State Farm Arena, last night, play-in game. One of those situations where nobody wanted to be there, nobody in you know, the Hawks fan base, no Hawk, no or, no member of the front office, but we here, right? Right, <laughs> so exactly, yeah. You find yourself in the playing round, but thank goodness at least you're able to host that first game, and that was so critical and so crucial last night and what turned out to be, and we know a couple days ago, the line was four and a half, and then it changed yesterday to five and a half, and then ultimately they won by 29 points, Hawks beat the Hornets 132-103. When you look at the stat line, Jarvis, from last night, every statistical category the Hawks won, and whether that was field goal percentage, 52%, or three points, 50%, or rebounds, 54-41, to even fast break, where even though the Hornets had 11 fast break points to our six fast break points, they are the number two team in the league in terms of scoring points in transition. So to be able to really stop them and then beat them somewhat at their game, that to me was amazing. And Trey was going to Trey, whether that was dishing and his players delivering or whether that was the second half where, you know, he kind of found his footing scoring wise, but I want to go back to dishing and players delivering because that is really where the Hawks won that game last night. Who for you stood out as far as who other than Trey was key to that victory? 
But what, but before I before I do, before I answer, I, I do want to touch on one quick thing, and I thought it was kind of fascinating when you saw how that game started out. Right, the you know um, the Charlotte Hornets started to you know trap really hard in the beginning of that game, and essentially when you think about that, right? So essentially, you basically put the best attribute on Trey Young. Now he's an amazing scorer. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong; he can create like crazy. But the one thing that he is so good at and it comes easy to him mm-hmm. is finding the open guy. And essentially, that's what you asked him to do. Yeah. We're going to force you to pass the ball. Yep. Ah, okay. All right. Does it. that really make sense? All right. Okay. I'll do that. And and that's what ha- that's what you, that's what you saw happen. That's why mm-hmm. the, the Hawks were able to get up to a, such a big lead. But yeah. Trey was like three for 13 in the first half. So yeah, it was crazy. Was just It was crazy how yeah. he was able to affect the game. And he had such an awful shooting night, like yeah. specifically in the first half. So right. I just think that was just something that I just thought was fascinating. All right. Well, to piggyback on that, before you go to, to answer my question, to piggyback uh-huh. on what you're saying, that has actually been one of the areas low key that he's he's improved on because right. even though he was really good at passing, he was also his assisted turnover ratio was also troubling for a yeah, long yeah. time, the first yeah. couple of years of his career, and yes. even the first part of this year. But slowly but surely, the assist numbers continue to go up and the turnover numbers continue to go down. And I attribute that to maturity, vision trust in his teammates and then them being able to deliver as well and then to your point just to piggyback on what you said about the trap i was actually surprised that the hornets did not make adjustments in the second half instead they continued to trap or they seemed a little bit confused and they would try to bring help and they would overextend themselves bring the help too late and then it was, and of course, that's why you saw that debacle of, and that meltdown that ended up being 42 points to 24 points in the third quarter. Yeah, that was one. Of the, and speaking of the third quarter, the player that I thought that was the X factor, and you called it T, DeAndre Hunter. Oh, my goodness. I was so pleased. Yes. He's, a, he's one of those players that I just get so happy when I, <laughs> when I see him playing really well. And it was just, and I was, I think he started feeling himself at one point, right? Right in the <laughs> third quarter. He he uh he kind of he got the ball brought up um Trey had passed it to him he got he brought it up the court and he called for the pick the pick came and he was starting to get into the offense and then he went in and got um um forcing the foul him and everything yes. and went to the free throw line I was like oh my god like dude this is <laughs> this is what we've been asking for oh, like yes. dude this type of confidence that type of confidence DeAndre Hunter is playing with that type of confidence that that type of confidence. Oh my goodness! This team can be scary. I said it on Twitter last night at John B ninety. Give me a follow. And follow her at Tini Chupertis as well. It's right there on the screen. Did you see that? It's right there. So, but I think that that's one of the things that you have to really just take in, like take it in, and just say, okay, man, this is something that could turn into something like it did last year. I know we've been saying it all year, but oh my goodness, last night, just to be able to see DeAndre drop 16 in the third quarter, that is absolutely amazing to you. I don't even know what else to say about it. Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that he had some open looks in that first quarter that just didn't go down. 
and he stuck with it. And that's something Nate McMillan talked about post game. The fact that he had been encouraging all of his players. If right. that happens, you know, if you, if you're not hitting Stay that, off. keep, yeah, stick with it. Just stay with it. Mm-hmm. Just keep shooting until the shot comes. And I saw that with him. Like he literally, especially in that second quarter, it was like, okay, can't get yeah. the shots to fall, but I'm wide open defend. shots too. Exactly. Yeah. Wide open shots. But he was like, okay, I'm going to defend. And so he was going out on the wing. He was affecting the shots um, inside as well. And that kind of slowly seemed to get him in rhythm. And then, like you said, just third quarter, it was like Dre Day. I mean, yeah, it was was crazy. So, yeah, he he was tremendous last night. And like you said, that makes us smile because all we want in terms of really a winning formula is not to see. I'm happy with Trey getting 24. I don't like to see him have be eight of 24 from the field or one of seven from three. But I'm okay with him scoring in the mid-20s as long as everybody else is doing their job. If everybody else does their job part and does their job or at least six of the in the eight-man rotation then you get a win out of the Hawks and that was the other thing that I saw last night seemed like everybody was really focused laser focused on okay this is my job this is why I've been put in the game at this moment and I'm going to do exactly I understand the assignment and I'm going to deliver I I like seeing that last night yeah, from Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah. Boy Dan. Dan was out there hooping last night. Um, you know, when you think about even even DeLon Wright. Like, I knew you were gonna like, say that. I knew like, like, come on, they're like DeLon Wright out there hooping. I'm sitting up here like, what is going on? Who is this team? And where did y'all find these dudes? Because a lot of times throughout this 82 game season, super long season, yeah. like these guys have I, these guys didn't exist. Like no. this, Delon Wright to me did not exist. I think no. Delon Wright has been playing lights out these past yes. few games, to, coming down toward the end of the season. Yeah. I, I just and it, and it just it, it makes me happy. I'm excited. Like you see how many times I said happy in this segment. Like right. <laughs> you know, so uh, for yeah, so for the bench mob to get going like that, yeah. this team is super super fun to watch and. And like I said, I am super excited about what's to come. Like, can we get some more of this? Can we yeah, get some more of yeah. this? Yeah, <laughs> I, I really feel good about what they, they'll be able to do tomorrow night. Now, you know, there's still speculation about whether Jared Allen will play yep. Willie Wony, Willie Wony. So we'll Got see. That yeah, we'll see tomorrow night. But to me, that was also encouraging. The fact that we saw so much good play inside. I mean, the active hands, Jarvis. Now, that was another thing that made me happy and excited. The mm-hmm. active hands that remained active. You know, I always love to call them pickpockets because they'll steal a ball from you in a heartbeat. But right. them being on those offensive boards, that was so critical because Charlotte, they like to run. They like to run and gun to take a term, you know, for football, but they like to run. You can't run if you can't, you know, get a rebound and get out and transition. So right. they really, really kind of cut that's I don't know, cut the snake off at the head, if you will. And there you we go. Just hope, yeah, we just hope to see the same tomorrow because you got two real pieces there to focus. Well, three. Obviously, Darius Garland definitely yep. are gonna have to contain him somehow. But Evan Mobley, Evan even Mobley. Jared Allen has been Hell the one yeah. who's given the Hawks the most trouble, even though the Hawks won three out of the four games against the Cavs in the regular season, but it's been Evan Mobley. And then it's been somebody off the bench, typically Kevin Love, but somebody off the bench who's also been that X factor for the Cavs. And of course, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. But as for today, 
it's an opportunity for us to at least celebrate for a moment that they are who we thought they were. Exactly. And I've got to gotta throw his name out there, Clint Capella. He was a guy He's that me. I said will have to have a, a big game and dominate and show the Hornets that, hey, you might need to invest in some bigs because he was absolute terror last, last night. Yes. I'm talking about three blocks and the double-double. Yes. Double-doubles double in the first half. Over, yeah, first, first half. Like, I'm just like, okay, Clint know what time it is. CC is out there balling, and I love what Okongu was doing as well, blocking shots. Yeah. You know, so it's just the way the bigs play. I, I think they stepped, they, stepped, they stepped up. They answered the call, and they are definitely going to have to answer the call tomorrow night against yes. the Cleveland Cavaliers because – like you said, you just named Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, if he plays, and you have Laura Marketing. That is a huge front court. So we shall see. Yes, we shall see. So, yes, yeah, CC did it for the culture last night, and we are about to do it for the culture again. We're going to talk a little bit about something that was very odd to us that really we don't understand because when history can be made, why not let history be made? And we're also going to do a tribute to one of our fallen who really had an impact on our musical culture and landscape here in Atlanta, but really across the sports landscape as well when we return. So come back. You can hear about all of that in For the Culture right here on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. It is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra, and thank you for coming back to check out For the Culture. We talked about it at the top of the show about what it is that really stood out to us from a basketball standpoint mm -hmm. at State Farm Arena, but last night, T. But before we get into that, I gotta I gotta thank the folks. You know, I gotta thank our viewers for checking us out on Locked On Sports yes. Atlanta for liking and subscribing. Make sure you continue to do that. Please, please, please go ahead and follow us on all audio audio platforms. Excuse me, um, wherever you get your podcast, yeah. you can check us out. We know you're on iTunes, you're on Spotify, or even on the Odyssey app. You can check us out on all of those platforms. Make sure you go follow us and give us a comment. Rate us, review us. We yes. really appreciate that. We love yeah. the, uh, the food feedback. Not food. I like to get food, too. Um, <laughs> we love, <laughs> love to get your feedback right here on ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanisha. But, T, yeah. it was star-studded State Farm last night. I actually kind of practiced that because, you know, you know, yeah. that's a, that, that can, can that be a touch of the time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, yeah, the likes of I'm, I'm trying. I'm still trying to figure out how or why Jay Z was in the building. Yeah, I think we all are. Like, <laughs> yeah, can, I think can, can somebody like, explain? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm like, it's not like you need a scouting report for the Nets. We're not going through Brooklyn. We're going through Cleveland. So, right. <laughs> you know, but yeah, everybody was literally, and it's funny because like I'm looking to the side because everybody was like looking at him, but it was almost like he was like some type of don't stare, don't stare, don't stare. No, yeah, exactly. Like royalty, like nobody wanted to look at him. Nobody got in his way. And when he walked by my table, literally the whole in-game team was like, okay, Jay-Z's coming. We need to move. And like it was like a parting of the Red Sea. And wow. so yeah, I'm still looking all on social media trying to figure it out today, like. What was he doing in the A? But nonetheless, he was there. Nelly was there uh, with his Charlotte jacket. So apparently, you know, he got, yeah, he had it twisted last night. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, but Nelly yeah. was in Nelly was in the building. Chris, Chris Rock is always there supporting, and, you know, Quavo. So we had kind of our usual suspects, if you will. But yeah, it was just an amazing, amazing atmosphere. And I sincerely hope 
that about a week and a half from now we get the opportunity to see it again because that'll mean we're playing game three against the Heat at State Farm Arena in the opening round of the playoffs. Yeah, we absolutely love that because I think about, you know, and the reason why I kind of brought this up was because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are still on the, on the, on the train or still on this very small platform or very small uh, piece of rock. Mm -hmm. And that rock states that Trey Young is not a superstar. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, I'm just laughable. like, okay. Like, it, it, it's laugh like, it's not even laughable. It's like slappable. Yeah, laugh. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you deserve to be slapped if you're saying that at this moment because we think about the level, yes, of a Jay Z mm -hmm. and what he brings to the table. Even if you don't even know, can't even name a Jay Z song, right? More than likely, if you are living and breathing on this earth, you have some idea of who he is, or you can at least recognize him. Exactly. He's a recognize. He has a recognizable face. Yeah. And across the world, yeah, and specifically, some may know him as Beyonce's husband, which is cool, and right. I'll be cool with that too. If Beyonce was my wife, you know, yeah. and I'm cool with that, you know, because Tanae Davis is my wife, you know, yeah, it is. slide that in there, get some, yes, sir. Get some, uh, some um, extra points there. Yeah. Um, and that's Dr. Tanae Davis to the rest of you, yes, yeah, so, yeah, 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 like Dr. Davis. Uh, yes. so yeah, get, make sure you get that situated. Um, <laughs> Got these hands coming down, coming down the steps right now as we speak. But um, okay. but, but no, I'm just kidding. But I, I think there's one thing that you have to really take a look at if you yeah. want to answer that question or yeah. that stupid question and say, okay, it's Trey Young superstar. Yes, he yeah. is. Yeah. When you have the likes of those people that you just named, Nelly and Jay Z and Chris mm -hmm. Tucker and all those people, you know, at the games on Aunt Quavo at you know, part of Amigos, we have those guys at the game like that mm -hmm. in a play-in tournament game. I'm a sure the NBA was right. Exactly. I'm sure the NBA was like, yes, yes, yes for these ratings. Come yeah. on, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I think when you have that type of setup uh, for a game like that, I, I just believe that you should. There shouldn't be a question at this point whether or not Trey Young is a superstar. Yeah, and I can remember just going back to All-Star Weekend. That was an eye-opener for me as well because I was, you know, behind the scenes, if you will, waiting to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with him. And so as he's trying to navigate through some of the hallways and highways and byways, if you will, but the hallways of the arena, every All-Star, every guy who was, every player who was there for rising stars and all points in between stopped to dap him up. You know, and you could hear some of them saying, bro, love your game. You know, keep doing what you're doing. Just the love that he was receiving, the respect that he was receiving from his peers. I think that's also telltale as well, because the world doesn't really see the Hogs very much. I think there may have been eight nationally televised games this entire season. But people that respect you and play their game at the highest level appreciate your game. I think that also says that you're certified superstar. You are that dude. Yeah, you definitely are that dude. And speaking of dudes, how about Clayton Kershaw? Clayton Kershaw uh, <clears throat> seemingly was on his way to a perfect game. And he had only pitched 80 pitches. Yes. But your boy, Dave Roberts, decided to take him out, citing that, you know, hey, Kershaw is dealing with injuries mm -hmm. and all that stuff. You want to prevent all that type of stuff. But T. 
He was on his way to pitching a perfect game. Like, what is that? That I is, understand. Help me, please. That's history in the making. That's one of those things like a no-hitter that a pitcher right. dreams of the opportunity to have. And Clayton Kershaw was very, very respectful in his response to post-game questions about how he felt about being pulled, using the term we a lot of the time, like we made this decision because we're looking at the bigger picture. But real talk, I was sitting there thinking, I wonder what he really feels like. I wonder what he's really right, thinking. Yeah. Because I can remember years ago, and this was the only example that kind of came to mind, but I can remember seeing a documentary on the Chicago Bears and mm. how there was a moment in that documentary, both from Walter Payton, the late great Walter Payton, as well as Mike Dicka, acknowledging that one his biggest regret of that season and of that Super Bowl was not allowing Walter Payton, sweetness, the one who got you there to, right. to score a touchdown. You designed a play for an old lineman to score a touchdown. You designed all of these plays for everybody else to get involved. I mean, what was it, 46 to 10 that you, you right. want? So you have plenty of opportunities to get him in that end zone, but you did not. And so that yeah, was- For refrigerated Perry now. Like, exactly, on, lineman. Okay, but yeah. one of the greatest to ever do it had to leave the game knowing that he didn't get to just cross that end zone, cross that, break that plane. So yeah, for me, that's where my mind went. Like, yeah, say what you want, Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw. Gr great that you took the higher ground, but 10, 15, 20 years from now, when there will be a documentary on the Dodgers, because they also have an incredible run, real talk, just like the run that, you know, the Braves are experiencing these last several years in their mm -hmm. division. And of course, winning a, a pennant, but you're going to regret this. I just feel like you're going to regret this. And I feel like you also robbed baseball fans of the opportunity to see that perfect game happen in a season that already has the ire of fans from starting late in a 99-day lockout. This really could have been a feel-good story for us. Instead, you and I are sitting here on day ATL day ones, wasting part of our for the culture, talking about a faux pas that Dave Roberts will regret. I promise yeah. you. Regret Only 23 times this has ever happened in the entirety of Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball has been around for a thousand years at least. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, I, yeah, when you, I, I believe that when you have an opportunity to make history, yes. you go for it. You go I'm for sorry. it. I'm sorry. You just go for it. Yeah. And you, you don't, you don't wrestle on your laurels, as they say. I just, mm -hmm. it's just something, it's just something that speaks it's just just nasty about that because when you think about the analytics and mm -hmm. oh he was getting close to a hundred pitches and oh God forbid he go he pitches a hundred pitches okay whatever right so you know and right. that's just the part of the game that has, has turned a lot of people off about it the old school people yeah. and the new school people like whoa yeah. perfect game Agreed. you know that's cool that is awesome that is something a young person might pay attention to like wow this mm -hmm. is amazing like nobody yeah. can get even get on base. Like this is crazy. So, right. I think that when you, when you have an opportunity to do do something, like, make history, um, you do it. I mean, it just it's just simple as that, Dave. Come on, man. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Bro? Because I I, um, I believe that they'd rather get him into the eighth inning and or the ninth inning, and maybe the perfect game goes awry. But and maybe he does get injured. I get that piece. But right. you know what? He could also go out next game, five days, six days from now, whatever their rotation is, and pitch and get injured. 
And now you're looking back saying, exactly. oh, wow, he got injured and I robbed him of a perfect game. Just saying. Indeed. And before we get out of here, um, like, uh, there's a guy by the name of Archie Eversole. For those of you who don't know, he passed away at, 30, at the age of 37 yeah. years old. Young brother. Mm-hmm. Young brother. And it, this kind of hit me a little bit because um, Archie Eversole actually went to high school with me. He was a couple of years on, under me, and he was a young guy that everybody that really knew him like closely, like they weren't too surprised when you know he actually you know made it, you know, and made and had those hits playing on the radio. A lot of times, even one of my teammates from high school was just like, I didn't even know it was him. And I came home, and I'm like, oh my god, that's you. You know, you're the dude that used to be rapping in the cafeteria. So like, just to be able to have him, to be able to just. Have, make a song or make a track that is playing in every sports arena. Yes. Like, that is an amazing accomplishment. And for him to be able to be on a mad game, like, that mm-hmm. is a dope and uh, that's a dope accomplishment as well. Yes. Man, my, yes. my song was on Madden. Like, everybody played Madden growing up. So, uh, especially um, for that generation, our mm-hmm. generation, that is. And, you know, and it's unfortunate that he lost his life at such an early age, but I just, yeah. just wanted to see, I just want to take some time out to kind of just highlight the brother because like I said, he he accomplished a, a lot of good, a lot of great things, a lot of things that people aren't going to be able to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, that and can't do. And for him to, you know, lose his life this early on, I believe, it, it, I just think it's just, you know, it's tragic and, yeah. I just want to take some time out to kind of give my boy a shout out, man. Oh, shout sure, out to you. Sure. Rest in peace, my brother. Rest in peace, indeed. Rest in peace, indeed. So, yeah, it is definitely a, a loss, and uh, his his memory will live on definitely through We Ready. If if nothing else, his memory will yes. live on. Every time we hear, we'll we'll think think of him and think good thoughts and, and good memories. And listen, we hope that when you come back tomorrow, it'll be because you had good thoughts. And good memories of ATL Day Ones for us as we're wrapping up another great week of the podcast. So, yeah, come on back tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll have some good conversation for you about the Braves and the Padres. Of course, we're going to talk a little Cavs, Hawks, Hawks, Cavs, playing around, etc. And we're going to keep talking draft because we are inching ever closer to the NFL draft. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, because it's G-Day on Saturday. We got to sneak in some dog song. Got to sneak no in some dog song. doubt about it. And we will be having our guy Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. Yeah. Falcons fans, if you don't know, where have you been? So, yeah, come back tomorrow. Check us out. Check us out. Check us out. Three times. So you understand. And we'll be back tomorrow on ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra. We'll see you. See ya. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.